Welcome to the Mock Stars freaking podcast, you son of a... My name is Jordan Garcia, and I'm bringing double the energy because we're down a body today. It is me and my good buddy, Evan Kunai. Yo, what up? We are missing Chris Ritter today, the third and most illustrious mock star. Uh, His presence will be missed, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. But we can't dwell. We must move on. We must have an episode for our Friday listeners. You guys are devout and... We promise that every day, every single Friday, we'll have it there, except for the ones that we don't. Okay, before we get into our main topic, which is going to be talking about modality, we have an intro topic talking about Phyrexia All Will Be One spoilers. There's not a ton out, but we're starting to get some spicy, spicy things, and uh, we just want to start talking about them. Open the dialogue a little bit. Get ready for uh, pre-release weekend, even though that's not a fucking thing anymore. Before we do all of that, guys, check us out on our socials. We got our link tree down below. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter. We got our YouTube channel. Like and freaking subscribe. You want updates, hit that bell. Uh, you can find us on pretty much all the podcast platforms, too. Anything else, Evan? Anything else, anything? Uh, no, we do have a cardboard cutout of Chris in the mail. It's on its way so that when he's not here, it will be I have something to place. look over to. It gives me that disapproving look that oh, that's sweet, I love, love so much. smile. <laughs> All right, so getting into our intro topic here, we're looking at some uh, pretty hot Phyrexian All B1 spoilers. So Evan, you picked your top one. I picked my top one. Uh, why don't you start us off here? My top one is actually, uh, it's Kaido. Is it Shifting Shadow? I can't uh, Dancing remember. Shadow. Dancing Shadow. I closed my link for... Uh, Kaido, spoilers. Dancing Shadow, two blue-black for a three-loyalty planeswalker. Holy shit, this text is really small. Uh, whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player, you may return one of them to, to its owner's hand. If you do, you may activate loyalty abilities of Kaido twice this turn rather than once. All right, I'm taking over from here. I got it back. All right, what are those abilities? I goofed. I didn't have it open. But plus one, you can up to one target creature can't attack or block until your next turn. You can pay zero, draw a card, or you can neg two, create a 2-2 colorless drone artifact creature token with death touch, and when this creature leaves the battlefield, each opponent loses two life, and you gain two life. Now, I actually, like, the reason that I picked this card is because Phyrexia all uh, all is one, or all will be one, uh, is one of those sets that is reminiscent of War of the Spark. We've already known that True. there are 10 Planeswalkers. Some will be completed, some won't. We have an inkling on some of them. But we haven't seen a set like this that has this many Planeswalkers since War of the Spark. And so we're getting a lot of these static effects that are like playing into the depth of the set. It, it's going to be crazy to see how they balance this all out. Uh, we saw Koth as well, and Koth seems a little underpowered compared to this. I actually really love this. It this is awesome. It's a really clever play on on ninjutsu. Like yeah, it continues to like to dabble in that like the concept of ninjutsu, and uh, I, I think that it's actually pretty great with like Aether Channeler, which will you know, be great because you can bounce that back awesome to hand. ETBs, you know, totally. yeah, yeah. You've been hot on the ETBs lately, really hot on so. I, I think this is a great way to like recycle ETBs and then also to spawn the creatures. Like this neg two ability, it's actually crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's not nothing. It's like the the turn you activate it, even if you're just doing the one, like you have a death touch blocker for that whole rotation that says if you want to swing a Kato, you're gonna lose it. Yeah, and then on top of that, it's gonna be a four point life difference just on that because once that thing dies. Yes. So once it dies, if they decide to swing in at Kaido and you're just like, okay, I'll block it, or you lose two life and I gain two life, it's the four point swing in a 20 point or like 20 life, either like draft, sealed, whatever, is huge. And then in sealed, like when things become a little bit more, or well, in constructed, when things get a little bit more refined mm-hmm. and you can actually run more consistent strategies, this is like four point life swing is is kind of massive. It's why Shieldred sort of like breaks the game right now. Um, so you can, the turn this comes out, if you have something like a one drop that you hit and it's been flying in and just kind of, you decide you want to bounce it back to hand, you can create that 2-2 flying drone with Death Touch or you can create, or well, it's only with Death Touch, uh, but or you can draw two cards or 
you can make it so that your opponent's creatures can't attack or block yeah, until I mean, your next turn. You can totally follow that two, three, four curve of like creature, creature, Kaido, swing, do something spicy. I think, you know, Aether Channeler fits right on three here, which is pretty hot. Yeah, it kind of walks the same lines. Um, what was that keyword called? But it like chart a course. It had like that, like if you had attacked this turn, you didn't have to like pay the downside. It's sort of like the same thing. If you've attacked this turn, you get this like crazy upside um with with kaido and that's uh ultimately why i chose it i think we're going to be seeing more planeswalkers with more static abilities than we've seen in the past and we don't really know how much they're going to break formats this one in particular i don't see it being super popular in commander like yeah even even, even in super friends and it's kind of like i'll, I'll talk about this later i, I want to save this egg for myself for or our main discussion because planeswalkers are great at being modal mm-hmm. um but the notable thing about this is that it does not have an alt yeah you were talking about that a while ago just like a lot of new planeswalkers without alts that are actually kind of more powerful because they're just other abilities are enough value to kind of justify having the card itself in, yeah. the, in the deck instead of having uh two accessible modes the turn it comes out it now has three accessible modes yeah no it's freaking great and uh i've been playing a lot of constructed and you know grixis planeswalkers esper control plays a lot of planeswalkers i think this fits into that shell pretty nicely uh and i'm excited to see where it goes I've, i'm excited to build something with it honestly yeah i wonder if the uh 2-2 death touch drone is actually kaido's like raccoon like thing that oh. follows him around if it's like if that's him like creating that cool. i yeah. wish i wish the drone had flying or can't be blocked one of those two things it has de- it has death touch you're not gonna block it uh, yeah i just like i don't know wedding announcement is a thing like all these one ones are just fl- like all over the place so it the, it's not gonna be as easy to get the the trigger as we think just off the two two i think you need to be relying on a deck kind of building around that a bit of an ability, you know, having a flying token would be fucking great. You know, Brazen Borrow maybe goes in this, just guaranteeing that. Yeah. Also, Brazen Borrow is pretty lit, by the way, because you're bouncing it back to your hand, and then you have the source or the oh, adventure back yes. up. Uh, just thought about that on the fly. What it do? That's hot. You got anything else on the card? I I mean, like, I think that when you're curving this thing out, there's more to ninjas than because this fits your four slot. But we've been talking about a ninja lately, just in our off the record uh, discussions. And that is Thousand-Faced Shadow from uh, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. I've been teching it because I've been thinking about playing a uh, Skycat Sovereign deck on Arena. And it's the perfect one-drop, right? And then so, but the thing is, is that... crazy one-drop. Yeah, it's crazy one-drop because it's a 1-1 flying ninja that pretty much allows you to get through for your ninjutsu trigger. And then it has this crazy ability that I always thought that it, like, came in as a copy but it's even better than that. It creates a copy. It comes in and hits for one as it like as you ninjutsu it in. It's coming in tapped and attacking, and it's creating a token that's a copy of another attacking creature you control that is also tapped and attacking. So right. it can be kind of crazy. And I think that uh, well, it costs four mana to ninjutsu it. So this Kaido, that card, I think fall into that same uh, slot in a way. Just because uh, you're you're spending four and you would spend four on this otherwise, um, but it does like allow you to rinse and repeat that ability, that yeah. ninjutsu ability. Yeah. Speaking of modality, there's a modality in casting cost that that fits a two different slots. It fits a one drop and a four drop slot. Yeah, it's a very broad subject we're we're talking about. I think we're the more we think about modality, the broader it gets just in scope. We realize how many options there are throughout the game but uh, that's our main topic you yeah, yeah. shimmer down well i was gonna give you your time to the last out. thing i want to talk about with this kaido uh planeswalker is it's a, it kind of actually gives you a new pivot point in the whole new jitsu thing because it is kind of a figured out strategy but they've been adding some upgrades to it like this uh i think it's really interesting that his ability can trigger after you ninjutsu something and then you hit the combat damage you get the whatever usually those have a combat damage trigger as well so you get that one you'll get the uh, kaidos you'll bounce it back to hand you'll have already had whatever you ninjutsu back into hand but now you can activate kaido twice so unfortunately whatever you bounce back in hand is not going to have uh there's going to have summoning sickness for the following turn but 
if you're tapped out, you can still activate Kaido twice, create a token that's going to let you swing through. So you're essentially just getting to recycle your ninjutsu uh, creatures, which are typically the thing I feel like I run out of the most when I'm playing ninjutsu. Like once it's on the battlefield, sometimes it's just hard to kind of keep that system going. And I think Kaido just fits in naturally in that slot because you're doing it anyway. You're doing exactly what you want to be doing. And he's kind of paying you in advance for doing it. Yeah. setting you up to do it again. Yeah, it's uh, essentially any unblocked creature that you can send through has ninjutsu. ninjutsu. Almost. Pseudo jutsu. Yeah. You know? And I, th- I think that is like... Yeah, uh, you can play ninjutsu creatures, or you can also you just even play have to. ETV creatures, too. Like, yeah. There's plenty of plenty of ways you can just make this card really freaking good, I think. Y- yeah, you know, and uh, we saw it with uh, the Umazawa card that is just like... Sometimes ninjutsu, like giving something in your hand, ninjutsu, like uh, a Blightsteel Colossus, is, is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. So, um, like this sort of like is on the other side of that ninjutsu effect, which is really cool still. And I think the first Kato Shizuki we saw even had that little bit of like ninjutsu built into that as well, where it like came in and then would phase out. It would protect itself. Love that turn. ability. Yeah. And then it would come back in. So, um, it, this card overall really cool really like it very flexible i mean i've been seeing a lot of the new urtai around the two blue black legendary and because uh he's got the ability to counter something on the stack or destroy something and he's got flash so i think i could see definitely a demir control list where you know you flash him out at the end step get your resolve your ability then next turn on your turn you swing he doesn't have summoning sickness bounce it back to hand set up another counter spell yeah, there are definitely limitations to this too. So Kaido only allows you to return one creature that is dealt combat damage. So it says whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat right. damage to a player, you may return one of them. Uh, so it's not like you can just bounce your whole board back for a board wipe and right. like control the board that way. Because, I mean, you essentially still technically could if you wanted to do uh, some like Esper mid-range board wipe control, play Planeswalkers. Yeah, I'm just I'm just picturing this Urtai, like countering a spell, swinging, bouncing it, drawing a card, making sure their creature can't attack me next turn, and holding up Urtai for another counter spell seems fucking awesome. Yeah, the two creatures that you only... The only two creatures that I am s- currently seeing as like must-haves in this deck that plays Kaido are Brazen Borrower and Urtai. Urtai, and maybe the Aether Channeler. I've been pretty hot on that card, but... It does draw you a card. I mean, it just doesn't have any evasion to, like, flying or unblockable or whatever. Um, I mean, if you're playing... I don't know if you... This is too slow for modern, like, the way I see it at the moment. So, like, I was thinking, like, Dothy, (laughs) because... It's probably too slow for modern. I could see a Pioneer deck. Like, I could see a nice little Pioneer historic, you know, Planeswalker control deck that pivots yep. around this really. plays on its back foot the brazen bar just bouncing things any advantage that they might get you just yeah. bounce it back so put an esper in there and then you got the you know wedding announcement i was saying is one one you can bounce a one one just to get two loyalty triggers like on the True. low end is freaking awesome yeah wedding announcement might be one of the best white enchantments ever introduced to constructed one of the best legal cards in white right now i would say yeah yeah standard pioneer historic it's amazing watch out for it all right uh, I think enough on Kaido. Are you feeling good? You feeling Gucci? I feel like I got it all out there. Trey Gooch. All Trey right. Gooch. Trey right. Gooch. All right. Let's move on. I got one card I want to talk about before our main freaking topic. It's, it's a, a doozy. It's, it's a, a big, big one. one. It's a big one. Uh, we've been talking about it since it was spoiled probably two weeks ago at this point. And holy crap, my opinion has not changed. I think it's probably one of the most powerful cards that I've seen this year in a, in a year's worth of cards. Uh, it is Blue Sun's Twilight. You guys tell me in the comments below if I am high off my rocker right now. But this card reads to me that you just pay two mana on top of whatever they spent on their creature, and that's your creature now. <laughs> that is exactly what it says. <laughs> um, if that creature happens to be, a, what is it, six or greater? If it's if X is five or more, create a token that's a copy of that creature. Yeah. So it's it's... Gain control of target creature with mana value X or less. And it's X blue blue for sorcery. Sorry, I didn't say it. But uh, holy God, we've seen this effect in the past, and pretty much it is unplayable every single time we see it. The best option outside of limited, obviously, I'm talking commander, is treachery with the ETB getting to untap five lands. Uh, that's a $100 card now. And it is just a dog shit card in comparison to Blue Sun's Twilight. <laughs> um Blue Sun's Twilight is just a sorcery that says X, blue, blue, gain control of target creature. If X is five or more, create a copy of it. I think this is insane if you hit a two-drop creature. I think it's insane if you hit a five-drop creature. It doesn't matter where along that spectrum you're you're hitting it. 
it is just going to swing the game, especially in the decks that are built for it. I will say that I play a ton of mono blue uh, control in Constructed, so I might be slightly biased here. But what this offers to a deck that doesn't mind a double blue pip, it is usually means that you're not the aggro deck. It usually almost always means that you're not the aggressor if you don't mind a double blue pip. Uh, so that means anybody that has an awesome curve, we're, we're seeing humans everywhere, we're seeing soldiers everywhere, red aggro, mono black aggro, there's a lot of aggressive strategies out there that just are looking to play a creature on one, two, three, four, and turn them all sideways. If at any point in the middle of that, you're able to interact via counter spells, usually those aren't that good anymore against the aggressive matchups. Uh, but if you're playing a blue sun's twilight, being able to on turn three or four, turn the tide and now they're da they're down a creature you're up a creature you have a blocker you might be able to pad your life total for a few more turns as you're setting up for that mid game advantage this is that to me that card that it slows down the aggressive decks and builds you a little tempo in the in the early game it really starts setting you up for a great mid game potential and it also has the potential at the late game to just absolutely end the game huge top end huge top end like i think that this spell just works at any point in the game and it, you're not going to be sad about it like phyrexian obliterator comes out with this freaking set and that is a 5 mana spell so it's 7 mana it's 4 mana to cast obliterator it's Holy four black shit pips. so for, uh, so you, x is here's a great thing about this, this spell is it says x is or x or less so that means that you can pay extra and then still copy whatever spell. So you don't need to copy a 5-CMC creature. Correct. And that's where I was going to say is that uh, Wizards of the Coast has been very careful with their wording. And I think they may have made a mistake in the wording on this card because it, the, the way it's worded makes it far stronger than if it was worded this way. If it had said, gain control of target creature with mana cost X or less... Or if X is, you know, and then if X is five or more, the thing is, it says mana value, which means that for two blue, you can take control of any target token that an opponent may have created. So, um, yep. you know, there's just a good chance it's like um, just, you know, someone's playing some copy effects or whatever. It's just like, oh, that's mine now. Like that's a yeah. that's a pretty big deal. So if someone creates a token copy of their obliterator, it's like, oh, now this becomes two blue instead. And I, I think that's Fable the Mirror Breaker, you get their two blue, take their goblin. Usually usually you try and kill the goblin before it can attack and get a treasure. Uh, actually, right? yeah, that's actually great utility there. You can just straight up pay two blue before they even get the attack off. And now you have a goblin that next turn attacks and makes treasure. Exactly. And they are gonna want to remove that. So now they're gonna burn a removal spell on it. Yeah, these blue cards, like these blue theft effects, never have like untap it gains haste and you know he can attack you know right. whatever which is fine it's it's fine I, I this card has such a low like it, it hits such a low curve so you can play it at two and it still has potential especially against one of the most playable cards in any constructive format which is fable the mirror breaker right and it just scales the further up you go and I think if you end up playing on your back foot, like you said, two blue pips just in, in, insinuates that you are playing on your back foot when you play this. You're playing more of a control shell. You end up creating a board advantage that is just overwhelming at a certain point. Because these, like, now I think Blue Sun's Twilight here is amazing in Commander because that is a, a format where you can generate an insane amount of mana very, very quickly due to it being an eternal structured format. It's also just a, a format that goes late into the game, so yeah. you're going to have a huge potential for the, with this card. Right, there's just more potential with it. Everybody and wants to drop their big fat fatties, and if you can pay two more mana than whatever they spent on that, exactly, <laughs> it's now yours. But in Constructed, when you're thinking about like the... I mean, when you're in Commander and you're building out your curve, right? there's a much higher higher curve there's a probably a higher density of like bombs you want everything to be relevant and and this says uh you get to take control of that so it, it can steal commanders it can do all of that but in constructed your curve tops out slightly because you need consistency and so there aren't as many bombs because there aren't first there aren't three other players at the table but i think that whatever your opponents end up topping out at whether or not they're playing creatures i think this is still like pretty viable yeah you know it's i think like, two mana above whatever the top of their curve is will always be in reach in constructed yeah and I, I guess today i played against a couple approach to the second sun decks where someone will very rarely win through no creatures 
It happens oh. sometimes. It happens sometimes. But you, as the blue deck, are usually prepared for that, right? This is the answer to the things you actually have a hard time answering, which is right. the aggro decks, like the creature-heavy decks, the soldier decks. Like, this is going to really give, a, I think, a huge boon to those type of control decks, which have been struggling a little bit as of late with just the sheer number of, like, pure aggressive strategies we've seen lately. Yeah, in standard, for the next two years... As long as this card remains in standard, it will be a menace. I'm so excited to see what this freaking card does, man. Yeah, and now, like, this whole cycle, I mean, we're just starting to, like, see. We saw a very, like, shitty quality leaked photo of Green Sun's Twilight, and it's just not nearly as good as this one is. I just have a hard time believing any other one in this cycle will match how strong this is. Yeah, I mean, for how much shit they give Urobrask, I doubt that the red one is going to do anything. (laughs) You know, like... That's where they go all out. Yeah, right? They're like, hey, this red one's an instant, and if X is five or more, you deal five damage to all creatures. Stand by. If that happens, we'll be here for spoilers for you guys, for sure. Yeah. Uh, The other last thing I want to talk about, Blue Sun's Twilight, especially in a constructed 1v1, not even constructed, in any 1v1 situation, um... I think it's amazing because it is not even a removal spell, which is exactly a one for one. You spend one card to remove one creature. It is a two for one because you spend one card and now you have a creature and they still don't have a creature as if you had used a removal spell. If you hit the X's five threshold, it is now a one for three, which tell me any other card legal in like standard historic anything that is a one for three yeah without some sort of like chance you know like usually when it's a one for three it's like look at the top 12 cards of your library and you know pick any you know you still have to cast them you still have that chance where like the rng where you know after you shuffle there's a good chance you're not going to have three targets yeah this literally says hey if there's a viable target this could potentially be a three for one if you play this on seven it's a three it's a it's a uh, one for three you spend one card you get three things out of it it is absolutely awesome yeah it's uh definitely those small little nuances that create these overwhelming moments that break parity beyond control like you just opponents concede when that when these things happen yeah this is also a, yeah it's a very tilting card sometimes yeah if you're in a in a heated match and you resolve that and you take their best creature and copy it you'll probably see some scoops yeah i think as far as x uh spells go we haven't seen one this good in a while i i don't want to say that it's a finale of devastation because finale of devastation just you know wins the game because the search is it actually has a line of text that says you win the game yeah on. literally yeah but this one uh comes close if if we're talking about like this comes close it's a middle ground it's it's very good and it's just way better in a constructed format than it is in an eternal format i think this is a great answer to finale of devastation i think like this is a great blue counterpart to it like i don't think the finale of revelation whatever the blue talking about the blue one yeah i think that is yeah yeah because promise is red uh i don't think it's nearly as good as obviously as finale of devastation that's freaking fantastic but if this was the blue counterpart it's even the same mana cost x blue blue instead of x green green right yeah i would even be excited to see what black sun zenith does uh for this too because black sun's twilight or back yeah black sun's twilight yeah um so yeah, I mean, we'll There's, stay posted, guys. We'll have more Phyrexian spoilers coming up. Yeah, very bright future for this set. Yeah, really, really exciting that, like, you know, we only have a few cards, and holy crap, they're coming out swinging. This yeah. is actually a crazy card, and I'm really, really excited to see how it kind of impacts the format as it comes out. We could have had a whole episode on Elish Norn. Like, yeah. there are so many ETB <laughs> effects in white that it's just like, oh, what could we possibly bring up? You know, we yes. if you guys have watched the Game Nights episode uh, where... Josh Lee Kwai plays the Elish Norn. He, we, you see the interaction that you dream of, which is Elish Norn on the battlefield, and you play a Skyclave apparition, and you just go, "Yep, that's exactly what <laughs> that's you want to exactly see." That's exactly the first thing we came up with, too. Yeah, yeah. So you'll love to see it. I think that it's, it's just kind of a, a crazy card in general. Well, stay tuned. We'll have more uh, fraction spoilers and uh, a lot more coverage on the set as it uh, gets spoiled. But for right now, we're going to move on to our main topic discussion, which is about modality. Yeah. That was, oh, yeah. That was super cheesy, but I love it. All right. So modality. Evan, how would you describe it? Can you describe it on the fly with no uh, time to prepare? Sheesh. Oh. Uh, not even looking. I'm just going to right off the top of the dome. Okay. So modality is having 
modes. It's Whoa, happen- shit. It's having options, right? <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Did you hear that you. shit? Did you hear that shit? Yeah, the crowd was going wild. <sighs> uh, modality for me is having options, whether it's costs, whether it's abilities, um, whether it's, uh, you know, targeting effects or, or whatever. It's like we saw this like kind of grow and uh, develop and it's just gotten it's been developed more in the last like few years, which is why it's noticeable. It's why it's procked this conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms really kind of pushed it forward with all these like common and uncommon modal spells with like, you know, you... That's a very good point. Yeah, I think that was a great turning point in that. Yeah, you happen upon the the villain's lair. Yeah, yeah, that is a perfect example. I would say first, I think that there's two points of modality that we're kind of talking about here. There's uh, modal abilities, and then there's modal uh, costs, is how I would say it. So an uh, example of like a modal cost would be like prototype creatures from Brothers War, you know? You get to cast them on two different points of your curve, exactly what we're just talking about with whatever the Thousand Face Shadow. You cast it on one, cast it on four. Um, those things allow you to, and same with completed Planeswalkers, you know? You're getting to pay the two life. You know, it lets you play them on a different curve and kind of gives you different options um to make your deck as flexible as possible but more than that i think uh we're seeing a huge boon to modal abilities uh and i think you're right uh like uh you find a villain's lair uh very similar to urza's rebuff both one blue blue for instant they both read counter target spell as one option or the other option is that they have different payoffs so urza's rebuff is tap up to two target creatures you find the villain's lair is draw to discard to um, but they both say counter target spell for one blue blue at an instant. And that formally was cancel, which is just counter spell at it's one just, blue blue instant. Yeah, it's just no longer relevant. You can't play it in any deck and it There's because re- the, literally no reason you would now. There's no reason you would ever play it. And what I see with like these more modal spells coming into play and flexing out options that were considered to be maybe eternal like you you could always play a cancel and you know you could in any deck but now there's no reason to i I think that what r&d is is doing here is they're um sort of seeing how far they can take things yeah i mean you used to see that like to have options to have more than one option you used to have to pay more for it either it was just more expensive or harder casting costs you know like crazy pips three different color pips you know three of the same color pip what is that uh the mono blue one. Oh, Archmage's Charm? Yeah, there's Archmage's Charm, 100%, and everything like that. So we're just seeing that they're like, all right, maybe we can dial back on the additional costs. Maybe we can just start giving more abilities, more modality to our spells. Oh, I think you're talking about uh, Cryptic Command. Cryptic Command, thank you. Yeah, because yeah. was, it was a devastating, like it was a huge card back in the day, but I don't really see it popping up much at all the, anymore. Yeah, right? the craziest like, textless promo they've ever made. <laughs> yeah, good <laughs> fucking luck remembering all those. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just we're seeing that R&D is fine pushing the the letter a little bit and like not increasing these costs while giving us more to work with on our cards essentially we've seen it with MDFCs uh we've seen it with uh like I said the uh counter spell you find a villain's layer your urza's rebuff they just keep printing set after set like these similar cards but just change one thing change another mode on it yeah, uh, we just saw with the Abraid, Cathartic Pyre. It's just Abraid was a great modal spell, and they're like, great, let's make another one, Cathartic Pyre. Yeah, when did they go too far? I think actually Urza's Rebuff is about as far as as I could imagine them taking it because it's tap two target creatures. It's kind of crazy. I would, In my head, I would say tap one creature might be a, a more fair thing, not yeah. that I'm trying to talk them out of it, but uh, I don't know. I'm not convinced that you've, it's better than you find the Villain's Lair. Um, card draw is, is insane. Finding an option. I think what's yeah. great about these spells is like keep printing them because they're all going to be slightly different and they're all going to be di- better in other decks. Like they're not all like just making the same deck better and better and better and better. There's going to be a reanimator deck that opts to play the you find a villain's layer because you want to discard the big fatty and get draw of the reanimation spell. Versus like if you just care about pushing damage through, maybe or you're just you're playing tons of fucking planeswalkers. Play the Urza's rebuff. Tap down the creatures. They can't swing it at you next turn. Um, I think there's just you're going to see a lot of decks get fleshed out and have those flexibility and stuff like that because you're going to have your pick of options. You're going to get to pick all the modes. Do you play Cathartic Pyre over Braid? You know, it, I, it, at this I think moment, it, it kind of looks like it's a like a very similar card. It falls right in the same tier. Right. And we saw a Braid when it came out. Like they had 
a promo art for it, but the standard print, because it was so heavily played in standard, was over $5. Yeah, it's a great card, and like I think... You know, Commander also picked up that card. CDH even plays a braid. It's one of the best removal spells. I think everybody just it's, has sold on it. Yes. Um, I don't think Cathartic Pyre replaces it, but no. I think it does. Like I said, it gives you, if you have the need for one of those options, one of those modes that a braid doesn't read, then it's something for you to consider with your deck. Maybe you make that choice, and this is all about that min-maxing, right? You take out a one red instant because it has two different words on it, and it just slightly makes your deck a little better. Right, and between a braid and cathartic pyre, you look at it and it just says, a braid just says, deal three damage to target creature, destroy target artifact, and those are both two very powerful modes. Right. And cathartic pyre says, deal three damage to target creature or planeswalker, Right. and then discard two cards and draw two cards right and so it's it's kind of crazy that it like that little change in wordings so that you can deal damage to planeswalkers might be the reason that you you change to doing this because you lose to control matchups and yeah you might have three damage to planeswalkers actually fantastic i can't yeah. tell how many planeswalkers i see all the time right now in limited on arena yeah i would love to like pop a, a time raveler before uh, you have an option to like, you, you, yeah, you're gonna bounce something or whatever, or uh, and then I will kill it. Yeah, and so and losing the destroy artifact is kind of sucks because you know that's why braid is great is you kill the creature or the artifact having mm-hmm. the modality. Sometimes of that. artifact creature just happens to fall subject to that. Right. Uh so you have to you have to personally weigh. Are you okay getting a rummage effect? Discard to draw that many. Um, but for the deck that wants that and thrives off of that. Maybe you play that over a braid. Right. And this is that's just what we're starting to see. That's what we have access to now. Yeah, if we're talking like Feldman the third path. This is just clearly better for that deck versus right. like playing a braid. You probably won't play a braid if you have this option for this modal effect to discard your targets to the graveyard. Yeah, it's even better like talking about monocolor commander. Like how great is it that they actually have options to choose from now instead of well, obviously a braid's going in the deck because I'm playing fucking mono red. Yeah, mono mono colored. Maybe you play decks. both. Maybe you play both, but like we're getting to the point where you don't have to. Like you don't have to just play the card because you're in the color. Right. We're starting to see uh, mono colored decks do uh, the similar things to what other decks are doing, but just in their own way. And I think this modal, the way they've they've built these modal spells, actually helps those decks do it. Big like, agree. Yeah, Big agree. Yeah, in, in a in a more helpful way for that strategy for that color. I feel like we're seeing monocolor across the board show up. I think I think commander monocolor is more viable than ever, and will always be because we keep getting more cards printed. But with the modality of all these cards, with recent sets, like I think there's been a huge boon to several monocolor strategies and not even just single, singular decks, but full strategies, I think, have been pushed. And on top of that, other formats, limited, you're seeing monocolor like everywhere. Crazy amount. Mono black just seems like it's so strong. Mono black, mono red, mono white. Yeah, mono, mono white's disgusting. And too. that's not even talking about mono green, which runs half of Pioneer most of the time. Yep. Like, it is crazy what we're seeing out there. And then there's the other end of things where you get, you know, three-color matchups. Yeah. And I, let's just, I think, being clear, like, uh, modality, you know, speaking, right? Five colors gives you a lot of different options. Right. Right? In Commander. But it's not the five-color pip commanders that are like really setting the the competitive scene ablaze it's always the mono colored with the five color identity that end up like kind of taking the taking the stage there like kenrith and najila and so on and so forth it's like having the option to cast them for less but having the mo or having the identity be five colors gives you the greatest flexibility and you get the most options available to you yeah the fact that they're starting to like open up the open up the the doors to monocolored strategies to like give them these options in their own way we're just i don't see a reason why i don't build monocolor anymore which is great because i've always enjoyed it um i i personally love building like especially commander two color decks i think two color decks are just the most fun for me i really enjoy kind of having a refined thing and not too many options in the pool although now you know obviously with modality and all these cards and stuff, the, the options keep getting bigger and bigger. Um, but it just becomes more viable than ever. Like You don't have to take a, a lesser option because there's just so many options now for good cards. Yeah, I used to think of monocolored commander at like, I used to think about Gargos, Vicious Watcher, a lot. And mm-hmm. my perspective has changed so much just in the last six months of yeah. playing more and more magic. Like 
Monocolor is just crazy. There's so many more legendary creatures to give you the options that you need. So it's it's just really great to see, honestly. Yeah, getting and, to refine those strategies because more options are available now. Yeah, and uh, I mean, reaching out even uh, in alchemy, like I know we were kind of like have a boon against alchemy. We don't really enjoy it all that much but it's funny that you say boon because it's actually an alchemy mechanic it is and i hate it (laughs) like there's one spell that really in green that just like changes my whole like perception on modality because it's so powerful line up the shot is nuts (laughs) (laughs) it's one green mana instant speed draw a card conjure a card named naturalize conjure a card named plummet and so for three mana you have that like instant speed option to either like destroy target artifact or enchantment or kill a creature with flying or just for one mana draw a card right while i hate alchemy i do think it's worthwhile to take a look at it because you get to see where r&d's heads at at the time right because that's kind of their as far as i can tell that seems to be their sandbox where they get to put little fucked up things that don't ruin actual like paper sets yeah we uh we've seen things like collective brutality run through formats and the more they introduce modes the less relevant it becomes um there are so many the history of modality stretches so far back like it's it's been a part of the game pretty much since the beginning to like give you options to like play certain strategies but it really went off to the next level when they introduced planeswalkers like the fact that now you could cast a permanent that was technically another player that had its own life, uh, also had modes three for, different four four to five options on them. Yeah, sometimes yeah, like, sometimes they had a lot <laughs> of options, and so it was either to increase their health or decrease their health. And uh, I think that's when they started expanding planeswalkers, really opened the floodgates, and they were just like, wow, what a what an untapped resource we have here. Yeah, I like shout out to like a lot of the old modality spells. Like uh, there's the initial command cycle that I think was awesome. Like Kolagon's command still is just a powerhouse. Yup. Uh, and then you look at all the charms too, like all the old school charms, the two color charms, Rakdos charm. Like, I mean, more recently you see like the confluences like, yeah, they, they, from Nuka Penna. They continued that. I mean, they even have a new charm cycle. They did the Archmage's yeah. charm. There's, there's a, like, isn't there a Maestro's charm now? Like there's a charm for the- For every for shard. Every yeah. yeah, for every shard in Nuka Penna. They, they went crazy with modal there. So, yeah, seriously. And the more we see it expand into the game, we, we see it affecting- uh, refine how people refine their strategies. You're just seeing more like creativity- I would yeah. say in the deck building process, For, uh, like because people will be using the exact same card differently in their deck, and you'll be like, "Oh, I never even thought about that," because it says three different options for it. You know, we oftentimes get caught with our pants down uh, when uh, Chris actually reads all of the text on the card, and we've only read it for one mode. You know, like there are <laughs> like, times, like, that's all you need it for is just the one. <laughs> was that frontline medic? That one time he sacrificed it to counter. The, uh, yeah, the X spell you would cast. Yeah, whatever the thing with X is. Yeah, you read the whole card. That's the yeah. With all the modality, I will say there's one massive, massive downside. It's I have to read every fucking line of text on every magic card they print out nowadays. The worst part about the Which whole game. Is just so many lines of text nowadays. Yeah, it's like a book report. Sometimes you just gotta like report back on everything you learned from getting schooled yeah. by this this yeah. one modal card. Exactly. Like Evan will be looking over my shoulder, and then I just completely biff it in arena and i'm like oh yeah i just literally didn't read the second half of the card because i couldn't i'll I'll chirp in from the other side of the room and i'll be like you know you could have like uh done that instead (laughs) and he'll be like i genuinely didn't he's like yeah you're right (laughs) i'm just like didn't read it didn't want to uh backseat magic playing will be another episode but (laughs) for how annoying it is (laughs) evan's specialty my specialty uh, the one thing I really wanted to talk about in uh, modality was uh, a lot of these MDFCs. I think that was also a big shake up for Ooh. for multiple formats. We're still seeing them. Um, maybe it's because I'm playing a fuck ton of cube right now and they're in there too. Um, but they're awful in there. Yeah, they really are pretty, pretty not great. Well, not a strong start for the MDFC yeah, yeah. conversation. They're good cards. <laughs> I think in Commander, I think they're great. Like the fact that your deck just needs to have so many stupid lands in it. Um, it allowed you to put in more spells. You have a higher density of options in your deck that take up a land slot instead of a spell slot. Yeah, to re- reference back to uh, Command Zone, they've done 
content for years, right? And so every once in a while, they make an episode on deck construction in Commander. How should you be building your decks? How many lands should you include? And the whole thing got turned on its head when Zendikar Rising came out with these modal, right. yeah, the MDFC uh, land options. You even see it in deck builders, like in like Moxfield and stuff like that. You're like, you have yep. this many lands, but this many MDFCs. Yeah, not including MDFCs. Yeah. And so uh, one card that like when it was announced, I bought a ton of, the bought a bunch of foils, and that was Balaged Recovery. And I thought people were like, hot on it because they were selling the foils for two dollars and fifty cents you know i was just like damn i'm not the only one thinking this is good <laughs> you know but i i pulled the trigger anyway and i bought a few of them and i sat on them for a while and i'm just like oh snap this is a seven dollar foil there you oh, go snap. baby it's like eight nine dollar foil you know so it, it got up to that point at one point and i was just like super stoked that i could like see the matrix in a way but i knew that that mode of either playing a land or like on turn one, because it's like, there's nothing in your graveyard. Or for three mana, returning any card from your graveyard to your hand is just powerful. It is. It was a huge shakeup, I think, to Magic as a whole. Because like, like I said, we we're seeing it in a lot of different formats. And I guess not all of them are standard legal anymore, but I'm sure we saw a lot of them when it was. Um, yeah, I, I think you know everybody goes right to the the big legendary cycle. Not legendary cycle, the big... Uh, like the mythic. Mythic cycle. Yeah. Um, where you have like the huge massive payoffs, Tim Turber, Tim Turber, Tur- Turn Timber, Turn Timber, Timber, Timber Symbiosis, the yep. green one. And then there's the Seagate Restoration and the Shattered Skull Smashing. If I was to look back and like actually review these, I don't know if Aghanim's Awakening is my top. It's right there because it's still such a great spell to be able to reanimate like, uh, for, you know, that many creatures with one single card you know, for if you have a ton of mana is great. I think that's really awesome, especially if you have a ton of mana available to you. I think Seagate Restoration is now the best. Really? Is the best version that's so funny. of those mythic MDFCs. I was going to say it's overrated. You think it's overrated? I think it's completely overrated. The amount of times I've cast it is once. Yeah. I, th- I think, yes, I know you're talking just the legend or the the, the mythic cycle or whatever. I think... Malakir Rebirth is probably my favorite MDFC. It's like, the one I play the most. Yeah, the one it's the one I've played the most. It's the one that has had the greatest effect. Like Shatter Skull Smashing, there's a million better removal spells. I honestly I every time I cast Shatter Skull Smashing, it does not feel good. Like the rate is not good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like you oftentimes you just can't kill a lot of things. It's like Disagree, you, catch me outside. Yeah, yeah. You right. <laughs> Let us know in the comments. Uh it's it's just not that great to be sinking that much mana it's almost like you're taking a turn off to cast shatter skull smashing it feels bad it feels bad like it's regardless of how bad they are it is still great that you can get an untapped land with another option on it and i won't say that that's not the case but i think maliki rebirth even though it being a tap land like it just gives you so much more flexibility on such a lower mana curve that it just becomes relevant so much faster that I think those are just significantly better. Valigate Recovery, Malakir Rebirth, Solundi Visions in some decks. Uh, uh, the Takedown, the Kabira uh, Takedown. Kabira Takedown is great. I, it's been in the cube, and every time it comes up, it is great. Yeah. It's just an instant speed deal damage equals the number of creatures you control. And so in the cube, sometimes it just gets out of control, and you have five creatures, and you're like, yeah, I'll kill that. Red, white, aggro deck, boom. Yep, yep, boom, boom, I'll kill that. and then Or it's your turn one land play that enters tapped that you then curve into a two-drop, three-drop, four-drop from there on out like. yeah even just the artwork on these is really good too i think that uh Kazul's fury is another one of my favorites it's just that fling effect mm-hmm. two and for yes. one more but it's instant speed and uh it has the modal like land as as an option i think that card's great yeah like i bought a bunch of foils of that and i'm just still like i, I wasn't upset that they didn't go anywhere because it still looks like a great card i love that to card. me i still believe in it for me it's just yeah i think the, the casting cost like on a mode it has to be worth it for me. And like a lot of those mythic ones, I just don't think it really feels worth it. The turn timber symbiosis. Hey, I said it right this time. Uh, it's just another mono green vomit your deck out kind of card, which mono green has a surplus of. Just has better options at this so point. Like, yeah, like sure, put it on a landslot, that's fine. But like it's not exciting to me. Like, but having a one black instant reanimate uh your creature that's about to die. That gets better with prototype now that it's out. That gets better with prototype, you know, that kind of potential. Even a Balagate recovery, like it's not a sexy card, but it's a card that just makes your deck work better every single time you play it. 
Yeah, I've even got Jawari Disruptioned. Like, I think though that card. I think all not great in commander, great in cube though. Yeah, I think almost all of the uncommon MDFCs are better than the mythic ones. Yeah, they're and this just is not even, utility. This is not even talking about the pathway cycle where it's the one type of land on one side, one type of land on the other side. Not even talking about the rare versions of these. Like, uh, what's the one where you discard and draw that many? Uh, plus one Valakut. Uh, yeah, Valakut Awakening. I hate that card. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, I still think it's pretty decent. It's uh, instant. It is having effect. options on a land, which is yeah. Good. Well, yeah, that's it's inherently flawed, I guess, in that way, right? So it's like having options on a land where you're the land is the other option. I just don't. And it enters tapped. It shouldn't enter tapped if it was going to be any good. Yeah, that one. That one feels bad. But I, I do think like seeing. I guess because we have been talking about a lot about this cube. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of those MDFC like pathway lands, and they're just fantastic. And I I loved them the second they came out. I got a ton for commander. Like just two color decks. You just pick the one you don't have or the one you need more of. Or yep. it's just it's fantastic. Yes, it's not a dual land. It does not come in untapped and tap for two different types of mana. Doesn't have that modal effect. No, but. Just getting to choose on the fly like what you need, it's almost like having a modal effect that cur- hits you on the right curve. It just kind of it is the land you need when you need it, and I think that is awesome too. Yeah, one of the worst I would say, in my opinion, that I've seen is Hagra's Mauling. The cost reduction is just never relevant um, in any in any situation I've seen. It is a but good it- removal spell. It- Sorry, it is a removal spell it is on a, a land. Yes, it is a removal spell on a land. Which I think inherently makes it good. <laughs> yeah, I, I also had a lot of belief in onto inversion. Uh, but the MDFCs have gone a long way. Like, we see that with, uh, like, when you're developing strategies with flip effects, um, even, uh, what is it, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty started, like, dabbling in them. I would say that the sagas are another attempt at expanding the modal aspect of the game like you get everything as it like trickles down and he even changed more when they decided to put read ahead on right dominar united so and the fact that those like the kamigawa uh sagas actually flip over into something else uh, it gr- provides greater flexibility at a bit of a time investment right they read a little differently because you don't get to choose the mode when you want it on the fly like that that second but you do get the you do get all of the things you get an enchantment that gives you value that gives you a creature which uh, seems like modality it seems like a few different things to me you're totally right though now when you're seeing sagas getting all these read ahead it's becoming really interesting like are you willing to sacrifice an effect to get the modes you want the yeah. second you need it. And these cards are starting to dominate constructed formats, or they already have been dominating constructed Cruelty of formats. Gix, great card. Yeah, Cruelty of Gix, amazing. And then even these lands from Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, Cave of the Frost Dragons, nothing to scoff at. And yeah, getting way more man lands than any format has had in a very long time. Yeah, and Den of the Bugbear was a win condition in my Zakama deck. If you guys haven't seen or listened to our deck workshop, I'll post it in the description. But it's another win condition if you have infinite mana. It's like these modal options for lands for uh, just... In general, these cards that they've decided to like expand into has ultimately sped up the game and warped how we see the game and how we play it today versus when we did in 2018, like like when you started playing or, or even before that, you know? Yeah, totally. I think anybody out there who's getting into deck building, you really do... I guess more than deck building, if you're into that min-maxing, you really just want a beautiful deck that hums, you're building that machine, that engine, it behooves you to look at modality to look at where you can sneak all these effects in that don't really bloat out the deck where you have lands that do the thing your deck is doing where your removal spell is doing the thing your deck is doing that's what i do when i get into deck building like when i get really into it it is agonizing over the list of 99 cards so like does this slot do the most it can at that slot for what i needed to do and does it also somehow synergize with whatever dumbass strategy i'm trying to pull off it's the running cathartic pyre over a braid because you want to discard a portal to Phyraxia so you can invoke justice. It, it's, some, yep. it's like, it seems crazy, but if your deck has a very simple strategy and then all the other cards that you just have to have in the deck also support that strategy just because of a fucking mode was stapled onto it, it makes the deck better. Yeah. I'm actually going through the process now. I've been streaming on Twitch these last few days. And so 
I'm actually building a deck in Historic, and I'm starting to play more Alchemy cards, but it's just this... <laughs> gotta to compete. Right, you gotta be able to compete, and since I'm playing Ranked, I want to climb this ladder, I want to be doing better, and that's like the, the journey that we all go through as Magic players is trying to like expand our options, see more cards, get more information, and learn and grow, and so actually every time I stream, I feel like the spotlight's on me to continue to, to grow and learn and you guys are just like if you just hop on uh and watch the stream uh in the next like week or so you'll see how far the deck has come like it's sure. really changing every single time and you if you jump in you're gonna see that process because i'm just not ashamed of it at all it's like i'm trying this i'm trying this i'm going in yep. i'm gonna see if i take this hand and just see how these modal spells like play out and what strategies they're helping me combat and what how they're like hurting me or helping me yeah and i think that's what we've always loved about magic regardless of the format it's what pulled me into it you know it's just you know building your commander deck making it great it's just really getting into the nitty-gritty we never keep things the same we're never just like cool that's gonna sit on a shelf when i want to play it, it comes off that shelf and i grab it like Kinda, yeah it has never been us we we sell cards back we get new cards with the trade-in value you know we build new decks we completely rip things apart we start over uh we're always on that like that refinement strategy always moving forward always coming up with something else so yeah uh evan's been streaming under mock stars pod on twitch go check them out yeah it's actually twitch tv slash mock stars mtg mock stars mtg go check them out it'll also be linked down below on youtube uh yeah we're gonna be streaming multiple times a week hopefully we'll be getting ritter on there myself on there yep i'll be on pretty much every day monday th monday through friday maybe not mondays because that's our magic night let's say tuesday through friday four days a week at 5 p.m pacific coast time yeah we are in seattle so you gotta you gotta get up with bear us. with us slightly <laughs> yeah we're we're still figuring it out but this is definitely we got big 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 plans for 2023 and this is definitely one of them we're going to be streaming we're going to get cameras gameplay all coming at you guys let us know what you want to see down below uh it's been great chatting with you this is the mock stars podcast haven't you got anything else no this has truly opened my eyes to all the options this has been quite a modal conversation the modality of it all the modality all right guys thank you so much peace out goodbye